0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link
1: in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting youth empowerment and support services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, S yes provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Jeremy Greenspan is an acclaimed producer, musician, audio engineer, singer, and composer who lives in his hometown of Hamilton, Ontario. Since 1999, Greenspan and his collaborator, Matt Didymus, have been working together as Junior Boys, writing and recording some of the most innovative pop-inspired electronic music in the world. The latest Junior Boys album is a lovely and affecting one called Waiting Game, which City Slang sent into this world on October 28th, 2022. As such, Jeremy returned to this podcast for a wide-ranging discussion about his recent bout with COVID-19 and life in Hamilton, Ontario generally, his band's connection to Edmonton, Alberta, and why he still associates me with Southwestern Ontario, the musical projects he's been involved in in the six years since Junior Boys last released an album, his work with people like Jesse Lanza, Bonjay, and Man-Made Hill, how electronic musicians jam, the engineer and musician Bob Weston's active role in the making of both the new Junior Boys record and Jeremy's new studio, the issues of loudness in music mixing and mastering and why Waiting Game is a notably quiet record, eavesdropping for lyrical inspiration, upcoming tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where you can uh, get uh, access to episodes before they reach the general public and uh, maybe even hear some bonus material. This is the primary source of revenue for this program. So thanks again. For supporting the show at patreon.com/slash creative control. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily connect you to the music you love. Just head over to Blackbird.ca for more information about that. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode seven hundred and twenty-eight of Creative Control. Featuring the lovely and talented Jeremy Greenspan from Junior Boys With your host me, Vish Khanna Hi Jeremy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm fine, thank you for asking about my well-being. This is a recurring bit that I do on my show now and I, I feel sheepish about it because I feel like other people feel bad. I didn't mean to make you feel bad, it's just a joke. Was that okay? Is that a bad joke?
0: Sorry, I got cut off there, Vish. I was in the middle of asking you how you were doing, and then something happened with the audio. That's, so this is just it.
1: I think it's all just connection issues, and I'm just being a big jerk every time. I yeah. should understand <laughs> there's problems. I was, it, was, uh, uh,
0: it, it was a pregnant pause, Vish.
1: <laughs> all right, good. I think we've highlighted who is really the rude one now. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show. I am doing Fine. Uh, now, uh, before we get too much further and uh, start talking about the return of Junior Boys and this wonderful new record, Waiting Game, uh, I happen to know that uh, we couldn't talk uh, when we were meant to talk because you weren't uh, feeling well. How are you feeling in terms of feeling well at the moment?
0: Oh, much improved. Yeah, I had... Uh, yeah, uh, last week I had COVID. It was my turn. And yes. I'm And I'm feeling much improved. Uh, I actually... I was feeling pretty sick, I have to say. I've known people who've been very sick, and I've unfortunately known a couple people who died. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but I've also known a lot of people who have been basically totally fine and asymptomatic and all that kind of stuff. But I unfortunately felt pretty flu-y. Um, but I'm feeling, feeling much improved.
1: I'm very sorry to hear that. I, it's mm-hmm. a weird time, as you and I are speaking right now, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Everyone's kind of let their guard down, and uh, mm. that seems to be normalized. But uh, there's some like me who are still like, I don't think we're. It's a good idea to do that. So subsequently, well, I I, my... uh, I, yeah.
0: I did something extremely improbable for me, which is I went to a baseball game, which oh. is which is not something that like I do that often. And uh, I went, and I suspect that's probably where I caught it.
1: This is the uh, a baseball game featuring the Toronto Blue Jays.
0: them indeed yeah.
1: So you were the, so this is an interesting anecdotal. I know people probably don't want to hear too much about this because it's all over the place and so many people are over it but you were in an outdoor was the roof open at the whatever it's called Skydome? Yeah, the roof was open yeah. So you're technically yeah. inside and outside. but this yeah. is what I keep hearing from people who go to these music festivals uh, and stuff. they get it. Uh, at outdoor music festivals, and I yeah. say, yeah, that's what they said. I'm not surprised by this because that's why I haven't gone uh, to protect well, I myself
0: was, and my family. I thought it was. I thought I was like one of those. I I sort of was like, I'm never going to get it because you know I actually was at Coachella. Uh, oh this, wow. this year, and uh, I did. I didn't get it there, and uh, <laughs> uh, I would. I would have thought that'd be a prime place to get it. Um, oh man, I
1: I flew around a bunch. Like in the at the end of April, I flew to Ontario to visit my family and uh, attend a memorial service. And then uh, the next week, I flew to Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. with like fourteen hour travel days, being stuck in layover at the Denver airport and flight delays and all of this stuff. I thought for sure I came back with nothing. Uh, and then I thought, oh well, I don't, what is the Yeah, I had the same mentality. Like maybe I'm just not meant. To, but but. Yeah. I wear masks everywhere. I only ate uh, when I ate at restaurants in Tulsa, I ate on the patio. Mm. Uh, you know, I did all I'm still doing all that stuff. I'm still doing all that stuff, not eating in restaurants all that stuff. But yeah, that doesn't seem like you. You're an outgoing. I'm outgoing. I was. You're an outgoing guy, so you you probably were t- I doing great, other stuff.
0: I have a great passion for restaurants. Uh, well, so I do there too. was Jeez. there was only there was only <laughs> so much of not going to restaurants that I could stand to do. Uh yeah. that Didn't I we, the, <laughs> yeah no i can appreciate that when we first uh the last time i should say
1: that we i don't know if that's the first time we talked i think we talked before that but you were on this show and i traveled down to hamilton to meet you do you remember this uh where did we go well this is just it i thought you had some sort of stake in where we went uh, it was some sort of bar uh oh restaurant. maybe yeah
0: yes yeah. there's a bar in hamilton that i am a part owner of yeah but uh, yes. i should say i should say a pretty a pretty silent partner, in the sense that I have absolutely nothing to do with the operation of it.
1: Right, but I think that's where you arranged for us to meet. On yeah, well, I get it, free,
0: I get free drinks there. So.
1: <laughs> I think I had to pay for mine. Are you kidding me? Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, no, I remember that. Yeah, I I like those things too. I'm just I'm hanging back, and yeah, uh, I'm still as we're speaking. By the time people hear this. I will hopefully have received this new fangled uh, booster shot, the bivalent or whatever it is, and hopefully I'll be okay and, mm-hmm. and still stave this thing off. But who knows what's going to happen? But uh, I assume you, like me, ha- you hadn't been boosted in a long time. Is that fair to say? Since like I hadn't had anything since December, if at all. Sorry, I don't mean to presume you had anything.
0: I, I did have. I had. Uh, yeah. I had three shots, and I had. I had all three different ones. So yeah, same I here. Had the AstraZeneca here. and the Pfizer and the Moderna one. So I had the the smorgas board of of vaccinations. And I had the, so, that's the
1: exact same thing I have in that exact order. That's what was yeah. available to me here in Alberta. So I had yeah. that and uh and then yeah, but I haven't they just haven't made the fourth shot, let's call it, or second yeah. booster if you're keeping track so how, at home.
0: How long have you been in Alberta? I I just associate you with With Western Ontario.
1: Guelph, Ontario. Yeah. Yes, Uh, yes.
0: I I associate... Well, I wasn't going to just say Guelph. I would... You know, I'd include... (laughs) I'd include Galt... (laughs) oh yes that's right (laughs) that's right exactly
1: i'm from there did you remember that i didn't know you remember that that's that you were from galt yeah i'm literally from galt i think
0: maybe in the recesses of my mind i remembered you were from cambridge that's a very
1: specific guess uh because that's literally for those who wouldn't why would anyone know this the city of cambridge ontario where i came up is divided into well it was divided into at least three places hesper galt and preston there's probably a fourth place that i'm forgetting anyway uh, I don't know if that, that's Galt, even still I the mean, case.
0: Uh, Galt is, a, is one of the lovelier towns of yeah. of Western Ontario or of Ontario yes. in general.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's where I came up and then moved to Guelph in, uh, for university in 96. And then I was quite ensconced there until 20, December 30th, 2019 is when, to answer your question, Jeremy, yeah. is when my family and I uprooted to move to Edmonton because... Uh, jobs beckoned. My wife's family is from this city, uh, and you know her parents are getting older, and her brothers are having children, and all those sorts of things. Well, I and have, then, uh, I good. have,
0: I have very strong, warm feelings towards Edmonton as well. So,
1: oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I actually, we're going to get to this. Yep. If if all goes well, uh, the information I was sent suggests that the next Junior Boys tour begins. In Edmonton, Alberta, on January seventeenth at the Starlight Room. I don't know if you have dates before that, but that's what, so. This is twenty twenty three, by the way. That is uh, our this, first date. Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, you must like Edmonton to start. With
0: we a do lot of experience. Well, I should also say, yeah, our 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 longtime sound engineer and sort of, frankly, almost bandmate Jason Boris is from uh, Edmonton.
1: Well, there you go. And yeah.
0: uh, and so we often will sort of rehearse in Edmonton or... Start oh, you're here up.
1: all the time. Well, geez. Okay, no, well, made... I, well let's,
0: let's not go crazy. But, I, 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 okay. you know, yeah. it's a home away from home to some extent.
1: That's lovely to hear. And I'd like to see you if and when you come by. Uh, just to finish my thought there. So all those factors plus the housing market uh, was really horrible. Uh, my, I've told this story many times on the show. But, yes, my wife and I would bid on numerous dozen houses, like something like a dozen houses and get outbid by tens of thousands of dollars because we didn't have Toronto money. Uh, to throw at a fixer-upper like the people we were bidding against. So, yeah, we, we split, and then the pandemic happened, and we've been here ever since and uh, doing our best. So, Good. yeah. Uh, ha- Hamilton, I understand. Uh, well, I, as we're speaking, I, I hear the housing market is finally cooling off. But Hamilton was a hot spot uh, for a while, or maybe still is. What's your? Do you have a take on uh, how things are going in Hamilton?
0: I was very fortunate because I, I grew up in Hamilton, and the first thing I ever did when I made a little bit of money from music was to buy a, a small house in Hamilton in 2006 or something like that when uh the prices of houses in Hamilton were so unbelievably cheap. I mean, I, you know, I, I knew people yeah. who bought buildings and all kinds of things in Hamilton for the kind of money that people just would be shocked to hear about uh now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, you know, (laughs) I just, the luck, essentially just, I'm just lucky that I'm the age I am because if I had been a decade younger or, you know, I just never would have been able to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate that. And I remember thinking you were a very proud Hamiltonian the last time you were on the show. Uh, so I, I feel like that's still the case. Uh, the last time you were on the show, I believe we were talking about the 2016 junior boys album, big black coat. Uh, And from what I understand, you've experienced a lot of ups and downs uh, since Mm. we last spoke. um, Mm. And some of that might even inform the tone and the feelings uh, that are present on this new record, Waiting Game. Um, Mm. I don't know if I've captured things accurately. Would you care to affirm or rebut anything I've just said and then maybe expand upon how this uh, last, uh, let's say, six years or so have been for you personally?
0: Yeah, they've been very very I wouldn't exactly say tumultuous years but they were very, you know, important years for me in my life. I I spent a long time building a recording studio which uh, took up the better part of 2 years of my life. And in that period I uh, I had a lot of stuff happen personally. My my father became quite sick and, and passed away and that was that took up a lot of my Time in my life, yeah, and, and you know, just uh, you know, obviously, COVID happened and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's not specific to me, but it was quite unusual. Yes, of course, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and, uh, and so, in that time, I, I was going through a lot of different things and different changes, and and yeah, the the big thing sort of culminated in this this massive project of building this recording studio. Mm. But in the interim, I I did do musical work. I. I produced music. I, I, I produced uh, two albums for a guy named Colin Fisher, who performs on the new Junior Boys record. Mm-hmm. I co-produced the last Jesse Lanzo record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I produced an album for an artist named Man Made Hill that just came out a couple weeks ago that I'll plug. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but uh, I, I did do a lot of that kind of work in the interim, but it's true it has been a long time since I released the Junior Boys album.
1: Well, Jesse was on the show to talk about uh, the last record, and I love that one. So uh, thank you for that. Colin Fisher comes more from, uh, if I'm thinking of the same Colin Fisher, kind of Toronto's improvised
0: music community. Is that correct? You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've produced two records for Colin, and the last one came out on Halocline Trance Records, which was, uh, I think, last year or so. He's a, a very special musician i actually met him through dan snaith and he he's he's performed on he definitely played on the last caribou record mm-hmm. i feel like he's played on other caribou stuff but he's definitely all over the last caribou record mm-hmm. and he's all over the new junior boys record and and i'm pleased to say he'll he'll probably be performing with us live
1: oh that's excellent that's great you yeah. also have uh, uh, a friend of mine alana stewart who is in the band bonjay oh, yeah. is on uh, yeah. uh at least one song
0: i believe is that correct she sure is, yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's also a very special uh, s- a singer, musician, a very very nice person as well.
1: And how did you connect with, uh, I understand the Colin uh, connection uh, with Dan from Caribou, but how did you connect with uh, Alana Stewart?
0: Alana, I've known for a long time. I actually mixed the J. album, mm-hmm. um, which came out a couple of years ago now. I can't remember what year it came out. Atlanta
1: Bonjay were on the show for that record too, and I I, I want to say it was four or five years ago, but maybe. But
0: yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And it was a actually it was a the process of mixing that took a while because they kind of it was done a little bit piecemeal. They sort of did a bit her and Ian. Yes, uh, and uh, they did a bit, and then they would stop, and then they changed directions, and then they would do a little bit more and stuff, um, but. Um, Alana and I—I I don't see Alana very often, but we're we're close. I mean, she's uh, she's a she's a good friend, and 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 she's a very talented singer. And it was she just sort of came, but I can't really remember the. She had some stuff she wanted me to do. I mastered so because she she's doing sort of dance hall stuff at the moment, and yeah, uh, yeah. and she, I mastered something for her, and I said, well, you should sing some stuff, and. Uh, Stuff with us, it it was very casual, but it made a big difference because it sounded really good.
1: Nice. Now you invoked the phrase piecemeal or the term piecemeal there as you were speaking about uh, some of the musical work you've been doing. And uh, one of the things I've uh, encountered in speaking to musicians from all over the world uh, in the last couple of years is uh, some of them uh, are in configurations where it's not that unusual to work separately on aspects of the same music and then share files send each other things that kind of stuff like working ostensibly remotely this pandemic has obviously uh, been very difficult for people who are used to getting together and jamming stuff out in a room junior boys configuration it's not just you you have a, a collaborator so how difficult was it for you and matt uh, to, to work on stuff together in this time. I'm sorry, I don't even know. Do you even live in the same city these days? No.
0: Matt has lived in Europe for, oh, a very long time, about 15 years, if not more than that. Yes. At this point. And yeah. he fairly recently moved to Italy. Ah. So he lives near uh, Torino, Turin. Oh, nice. And uh, he's been there for a, a couple of years. He was in Germany for a long time.
1: Okay, so so to my point... You guys have had yeah. to work in this. You guys are kind of on the cutting edge of pandemic work because you've been doing it <laughs> for so long. Yes,
0: but we don't do we don't really work remotely as a matter. Of oh, fact. I see. Okay. As a matter of fact, what generally happens and how it worked on this album was that Matt was here actually at a, a funny funny enough he was here in January of 2020. So just before the pandemic. And so he came and we basically just jammed for, you know, a month and a half. And then he left uh, around, you know, February or whatever it was. And there was a whole bunch of just sort of, you know, jams and material that we had worked on. And then uh, he left and then I just took those pieces. And I think there's – I think on the album there's nine songs. And of the nine songs, I think – about half of those songs are songs that are from jams that I did with Matt. And then the other half are songs that I just wrote on my own. Hmm. And that's pretty—that's t- reasonably typical of how we've worked in the past. I mean, certain albums, he would be here for longer or not as long. But because he's been away for so many years, that's usually how it goes. We don't typically actually do the thing where we send stuff back and forth all that often. It just has never been a huge thing with us. We have done it, yeah, but yeah. on this album we didn't.
1: That's that's fascinating to hear. So while others were trying to figure out how to do something uh, you know, remotely or even within the same city sometimes, I've talked to bands, we're like, yeah, we couldn't get together, so even though we live blocks from each other, we'd be sending each other parts and sections and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, no, that's interesting. Now, for those of us who listen to more conventional uh, rock bands, when we hear they're jamming, I think we can kind of envision it. Junior Boys is a particularly electronically tinged (laughs) uh, entity. Uh, When you're jamming together, when you get together to jam, what are you actually employing to play together in a room?
0: I mean, as far as electronic musicians go, you know, it would be too much to say that we don't use the computer. Yes. Because we we do use the computer. Yeah. But as far as electronic musicians go, we have always sort of used a lot of outboard equipment, that is hardware synthesizers and samplers and keyboards and that sort of thing. So when we jam together, it very much is like a kind of typical thing. And this is how I often will start music myself is I just sort of press record like anybody would record on tape or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I have a bunch of instruments that are like set up in a in, on a mixer or any kind of in some kind of conventional way, yeah, and then just sort of have a go at it for like twenty minutes, and from that you sort of then you go to the computer and then you begin the editing process, and really the editing process and the writing process are essentially the same thing.
1: I see. Okay, so you're you are kind of of the mind in the moment. You are you would say you're composing together, but you're also already like oh, there's something. I'm gonna. I can't wait to get to the computer to get get to that. Like
0: <laughs> very very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And at my studio, I have a kind of a writing room and a mixing room, and so uh, especially when Matt was here, it was a lot of running back and forth. Right. And so you sort of are kind of like, okay, yeah, you you've kind of got something here, and then you go. And Matt is a very like um, he's very detail oriented in in a sort of obsessive way. So he'll get a very specific. Piece of equipment or conceptual idea of how to use a piece of equipment and he'll want to like go full throttle on something. So his idea of writing is often revolves around setting up a very specific what we might call a patch or a very specific hardware or synthesizer kind of idea. Hmm. Okay. So there's a lot of... It's, it's it's not that far from conventional rock music jamming, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. And I, I, I hope that's not a, a naive question to ask. Sometimes when I'm speaking to guests and I'm not totally uh, familiar with their practice based on the way I've engaged with music, I, I may ask it's a probably, very... probably simplistic questions.
0: No, but it's an easy when you're talking about a like a rock band where there's someone who plays bass and that's what they do, it's a really easy thing to describe. Yes. Um, but and, when, and, when you yeah. have a... And that's also sometimes when describing writing with Matt or writing with Jesse or writing with any of the collaborators who I ever write with. It, it's very nebulous when you try to get into the specifics, you know, um, yeah. because it's very hard to say what someone's role is because ultimately... Uh, with electronic music, there's not usually a guy or a girl or whoever who just is the bass player and that's all they do or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I just had, uh, not too long ago anyway, I had John McIntyre and Sam Prekop on to talk about their new collaborative uh, project Outside of the Sea and Cake. And it was just interesting that they, they were, uh, Sam was commissioned to come to Berlin to play a festival. And he says to John, he says, uh, Why don't we both go? And they had no plan. They just set up their gear uh, and improvised, and then that's it. Now that now there's a record, and that's what they kind of continue to do. So, and again, if you see photos of them, it's the exact same sort of. Uh, it's it's all. It's, it seems to me anyway. The pictures are what you're describing: outboard gear, synths, uh, you know, things to manipulate such things, processing, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it seems to be more. They they made it sound quite effortless, if I might say, uh, like. Quite simple. To, I mean, in a maybe in a in a in a modest way. Yeah, we just flew over with stuff and then turned it on and then we went and people seemed to like it. You know, I don't know if you subscribe to that in, in any way.
0: I don't know. I mean. I I mean I don't know their music. I I definitely did not know the C. I know the C and Cake, which I, I always thought was a really good band. Uh, yeah. But I sort of think of those two guys as sort of musician musicians, like you know, right? right. Like they really know what they're doing, you know. Right? You <laughs> you're not sure you and Matt fit that fit the bill. I don't know if that level of you know yeah. proficiency on an instrument. Let's say.
1: Well, the fact that you took it upon yourself to build your own studio, I think, is telling of something, some self-sufficiency and some some belief in oneself. Now, I understand that you employed uh, an American engineer to help you uh, create this studio, but I also know that our mutual colleague, Bob Weston, uh, oh, who yeah. people might know from the band Shellac of North America... Uh, And uh, he also runs the Chicago Mastering Service. I understand Bob had a hand in how this studio came about. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, Bob is... So Bob has been my principal mastering engineer for the last... oh, Oh, I think 10 years or so. I mean every once in a while I'll master my uh, uh, like if I sometimes I'll mix an album and I'll master it myself that has happened mm-hmm. usually it's down to you know wh- whether or not I can afford to have someone else mastered or not but Bob is almost invariably the person I ask to master my stuff so mm. when you're a mixing engineer which I've which I do the person who does the mastering for you is is often very much a big part of your Process because they're in some ways the final word, and so I, I'm I'm in fairly I wouldn't say constant, but fairly constant communication with Bob over certain decision making things. Oh, nice! And uh, and yeah, the the engineer who designed my studio was someone I met because he had worked with the engineer that designed Chicago Mastering Service. Oh, I and, see. And so that that's how I got that connection. And a lot of the choices that I made, especially in terms of the mixing of this album, um, because I, I mixed it on tape, which is a bit unusual. Hmm. Um, and those were that was based on uh, certain conversations that I had had with Bob. This and is qu-
1: quarter inch tape, right? I believe is what you. That's made. right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I mixed it on tape, and that was that was basically essentially I I came into a a, a tape machine um, hmm. through kind of obsessive-looking uh, of auction websites. Oh, I see. And I, so I, I, I found a really good tape machine. I was able to restore it. And it was th- through Bob's kind of advice of how to go about mixing, the choice to to mix it on tape, and the choice to mix it using the, the Dolby noise reduction system, which I ended up using. Uh, and then we, both Bob and I, had our Dolby machines modified by the same person. And so we were able to sort of sync up what it is that we were doing on this record. It it, it was basically, you know, it was a lot of Bob saying, you know, I really think that this can sound really, really good. Oh, nice. Uh, And so, yeah. So he, he, he was a, he's been a very important person to me in terms of just being someone who I trust um, because he has great ears. That's, I mean, that's what he does for a living is have great ears.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say, for the record, that I love Bob Weston a lot. Yeah, he's and, a great. Uh, he's a great guy. I haven't talked to him in a few years, and we don't talk regularly. But every time we're in the same place, it's a really warm. I get a warm sense from him, and uh, he's always been very kind to me uh, in the past. So that's great to hear. The engineer in question, we I don't know that we name checked them. Lou Clark. Lou, yeah,
0: Lou Clark from uh, Sonic yeah. Space. Yeah. There you go.
1: So Lou is uh, responsible here. All right. Well, that, I appreciate that background because it seems to me to be part of the story of this record. Uh, so I appreciate all of that. Mm. Now, the record itself, by the way, and I, I know people who listen to the show regularly know that I expose my children to lots of different music uh, as I prep for these conversations. And for some reason, out of nowhere yesterday, uh, Waiting Game got my daughter dancing. <laughs> and, uh, she just, she couldn't help it. She just started dancing to everything. And some of it to me, I would say was borderline interpretive dancing. So she was trying to f- get a feel for the, uh, the pieces. And, uh, and, and so that's where her mind uh, tended to go. I don't remember if it's, uh, yes to, or which song it is that has the, uh, uh, stirring introduction where it's like, a, I don't know what you're doing there where it's like the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which song yeah. is that? Did I get that it right? Yes Too. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She really enjoyed that. She was doing this bizarre, uh, high-paced dancing to that part, and it, when people hear the record, they'll uh, maybe it'll move them in the same way. Anyway, I didn't mean to di- digress here. Um, my point is, I, in listening to this record, uh, feel that it has a particular sparseness and stillness at times, and I wonder where that came from. And the title itself is evocative, given how much uh waiting around a bunch of us have been doing since the beginning of 2020 uh waiting for something to change or or some sense of normalcy if you will and uh, maybe i'm reading too much into
0: it can no, you talk about oh, That's very ahead. much that's very much right i think that's very oh. much right and 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 it's very tricky because it's like i didn't want to really talk about the record in the context of it saying like oh this is my covid record because yeah uh, sure First of all, I just sort of feel like the world is going to be inundated with COVID records. And second of all, I don't think that it it necessarily needs to be thought of as being COVID-specific. But the reality is that I was saying that Matt came and we started writing in February of – or January of 2020. And Mm -hmm. the principal most of the writing for the album, it took a long time to mix, but the actual writing happened mainly in March of 2020. And at the time, I was you know, really struck by a lot of the First of all, I was, much like everybody else, I was just in a, in a sort of holding pattern um, of not knowing what it was I was supposed to be doing every day. Mm-hmm. And I was going on these big, long walks in Hamilton's, like at the Royal Botanical Gardens area of Hamilton, yeah. along the waterfront. And I was sort of just struck by the sort of quietness of the world. Yeah. And I was struck by how much uh, everybody seemed to be feeling like they needed the quietness of the world at that time and as a kind of a reprieve or a kind of catharsis or something like that. So, but it was, a, it was a melancholic quietness because people knew that there was a lot of suffering going on in the world uh, because of the disease, etc. Yeah. But ir- irrespective of that, there was something positive about that quiet time. And so I wanted to write a record that reflected that, but I was very cognizant that I didn't want to make an ambient record because it's not my inclination to make ambient music and that in the sort of prescriptive way that ambient music has been described as a kind of music that washes over you or something like that. I wanted to do something different, a, a pop music, a, a deconstructed pop music, an abstract pop music, but pop music, yeah. but that was unapologetically quiet.
1: Well, I just want to uh, go back to what you were saying about not wanting to make a, a COVID record, per se, because, you, like you say, in terms of singer-songwriter-type lyrics, uh, I do come across that a little bit, um, uh, just in mm-hmm. terms of trying to capture the mood of this time. But uh, what I will say about a record like yours and, and how it relates to this sort of temporal moment is that um, I think that stillness that you were describing – Experiencing in sort of March and April, maybe, or May of 2020. I don't remember how long it was, but that kind of stuff, that was really heightened. Weirdly, quietness and stillness was, it just came to the fore more. And I feel like um, in that, in this period, in the, for a brief window of time, I was actually optimistic that we might learn some things from what had been heightened like the fact that you could there were certain parts of the world where they were saying animals are coming back there's vegetation yeah, there was, you know like you can see was, the sky in los angeles for the first time <laughs> like and i was like yeah okay, there was like, a lot of that maybe this is it this is the reset we are we are heightened we are we are all having to be collectively self-aware about how we're living but it. i i will i will sort of take a, a this to its obvious conclusion. I don't think that that's continued, and i and I don't think we did learn very much from it. But it seems to me that you were tapping into that. What I would view as a somewhat optimistic. Let's just sort of meditate on what we're doing as a people, as a as a as on a planet like this
0: one. Um, does any of that resonate with you? Yeah, well, I mean, to take a slightly more optimistic note, I I, I wouldn't, I don't know to what extent we learned or didn't learn because we're of course still in it sort of still still in yeah. it so so it's hard to know what lessons and what and what conclusions people will draw from the experiences that they've had over the last couple of years but i i do think that's true and there was some really interesting stuff that was happening at the time for example at Uh, Some people might remember that there was like scientists who study sort of the seismic sound of the earth and that the earth itself had become quieter due to to sort of the inactivity of cars and things like that. That was kind of interesting. And um, it, it reflected for me broader feelings that I had about music in general, which to some extent are technical things, but that had to do with the way in which the issue of loudness and the dynamic range of music that is the relative levels of quietness and loudness in music mm. have been somewhat eroded in modern music making techniques and so on some level it was to do with the moment and another in terms of the you know what was happening uh, culturally and 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 you know, and having to do with the disease, et cetera. Mm. Um, But also it reflected to some extent uh, feelings I had had about how music is actually made these days.
1: So, I mean, you're vaguely getting into the loudness wars with how mastering is done. And so in in employing Bob Weston in Chicago mastering service, I think that's for those of us who know how Bob uh, tends to uh, master records uh, I think using that service and Bob is a bit of a statement against that volume, uh, that saturated sound. Is that- well, we
0: did we did take a lot of pains. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth over the master of this record. It was important, and we uh, this record is a is a is a quieter record than most records you'll hear. Yeah, and we and we did have to do some technical things to ensure that a certain level of limiting didn't happen on the record, but. I do think that there's probably a little bit too much made of the problem of loudness being specifically or being entirely a problem of mastering. Fair enough, because that's yeah. because it's not really just a problem of mastering. It's very much, I would argue, probably more a problem of mixing. No, I, I than is, fully agree. Than it is a problem of mastering. I fully agree. Um, and, yeah. yeah, and 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 in so far as it's a problem. Is even a challenging thing because to talk about it as a problem means that you see no value in loudness, which uh, is not a position I would take. The problem I see it is the inability, and this is on a technical level, to try and present a not loud record. Right. And so that that is where the challenge arises, is how do you present a dynamic record as opposed to a loud record? Yeah. And that is what proved to be a challenge. Um, and it's a challenge mainly because of how music is listened to and distributed and through streaming, et cetera. Uh, there are technical reasons why it's challenging to make a, a, a less loud or more dynamic record.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I can hear that as a listener often and and often in this process of putting the show together I'm I get sent uh mastered waves and mp3s and as I load Mm -hmm. them up I'm like Jesus like either something's a complete sausage uh or it's done well and there's dynamic range (laughs) and I can see it and then yeah anyway sorry it's I appreciate what you're saying sorry I didn't mean to cut you off were you gonna add to what you were saying
0: um No, but I, I, well, I mean, I think that it's one of these, the issue of loudness is one that is so multifaceted and it, and frankly, is an extremely interesting issue because it's, it's interesting, you know, almost philosophically when you sort of think about, you know, What is loudness and what does it mean, frankly, to be oversaturated? And then also what dynamic, what it means to have dynamic listening. And there's some really interesting things that you realize when you do some research into it, uh, most of which has to do with the way in which a certain degree of inform well, a certain degree of precise listening can happen at lower levels, which is sort of counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to us to think that you can hear better at lower at lower volume. But as it turns out, there is a kind of window, a little threshold of, of volume where you actually hear better at certain lower levels than you do at higher levels in terms of being able to pinpoint specific things. but that's a counterintuitive thing. No and and
1: so I, I appreciate that and I also think yeah. it's a worth it's a jumping off point to an aspect of the record that we haven't covered yet which is uh, my understanding is that in the real quiet parts of the pandemic, when you would walk around Hamilton, you were more attuned to other people speaking. Other people's conversations were sort of entering your your, your ears more readily because the rest of the city wasn't, uh, you know, droning at its normal pitch. And, is that, and my understanding is also that when you hear these little conversational snippets, they now inform some of the lyrics on Waiting Game. Is any of that accurate?
0: Yes, uh, that, that's been kind of my approach to lyric writing for the past couple of albums, where basically I became a sort of serial eavesdropper. Yeah, and uh, what I would often do is I would hear conversations, and then you would I would write down certain things or certain phrases from conversations. And then, you know, lyric writing for me is usually about sort of three different things, which is one, just sort of lifting conversations. The other is a, as descriptive. So I usually try and sort of create a description of a place or of a time or a thing like that. And then the third is taking those things together and just having fun with language. Yeah. Um, or yeah. having fun with words. Yeah. And so th- that th- that's the sort of the... Th- the three-pronged approach I have to writing lyrics but very much like um yeah I mean I guess in this album there are a lot of weird sort of phrases and things like that that I just sort of yeah was overhearing because because you were hearing so many unusual conversations yeah. uh you know everything seemed really pregnant with meaning you know <laughs> can you uh, can you give us
1: a little example of both a conversation or two that you overheard, and and how they
0: have wound up now on particular songs or a song even. Oh, I mean, uh, there's just so many things. I mean, the first song on the record must be all the wrong things. Was like literally, I just heard, I just was outside my studio and just, just I just heard someone just say that, and it just started like that. Just line just starts cycling through your head. You and you just you suddenly... heard
1: that with no context.
0: Other no than, context. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's amazing. So you're in- you know, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a weird it's just a weird phrase. And when you start thinking about it as a phrase, it starts becoming weirder and weirder. And so, yeah, I mean, a, a good bulk of my lyric writing often comes from that. Just having a little notebook and you write down something, a little turn of phrase that you think is unusual. Or
1: on the one hand, I don't think this is probably that unusual in songwriting circles. Uh, However, I like the notion that you write songs the way an observational stand-up comedian might write jokes. Just listening and being immersed with people and listening to what they're saying and doing or watching what they're doing, it seems to inform you in your practice. And I think that's actually a really uh, interesting thing to do when you're making music that is you know, somewhat uh, w- when we're getting into the realm of technology, it's a pretty technological music. I'm not saying in any way that it's cold or clinical, but it is a pretty technologically based music. And you humanize it, I would say, by literally bringing this multitude of humanity into your world, into the world of junior boys by just incorporating their thoughts uh, all, is this too is this too ridiculous a, a sentiment to for you to all, process?
0: <laughs> all good music, I think, usually comes from a sense of play. So yes. you know, uh, yeah. I think you need to sort of be having a kind of fun time with, especially with lyric writing. If you you can hear somebody struggling, yeah. when you can when you hear somebody struggling through their writing process, it never sounds right. And you have to be able to play. I mean, uh, one of my great heroes, uh, who died fairly recently, Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who was you know one of the great lyricists ever, was always very quick to remind people that lyrics are not poems. Right. Um, lyrics are not meant to be read or to be recited. They're they're words to music, and so they have to play with music. They have to be musical they have to have a certain type of musical rhythm to them and you have to be able to re- rehearse the music like you would rehearse music uh, rehearse the words like you would music jam the writing process as much as as anything it was actually great if you watched the Beatles documentary oh yeah um, yeah uh, and you can just see them just you can see them their whole writing process of just as, as it just being total play yeah and, and 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 that's the that's the sort of spirit I think you need to bring to all elements of songwriting.
1: well, I mean, I appreciate th- these thoughts and these sentiments, and I appreciate you, Jeremy. I mean, this record's great, and i I know that it may not have been your intention to do this, but uh it, it has a kind of therapeutic quality. I've enjoyed having it in the house uh playing in the house i mean, and uh I don't know, I find it as much as I can hear a lot of complex emotion uh that gets me you know going to different places i i also think it has a real uh reassuring and calm aspect to it so for what it's worth i just want to commend you and thank you for for making this record because I, I for what it, for what it's worth it kind of has helped me uh just deal with my days a little bit so thank you
0: well, I mean, that's the best compliment I can receive is is that if, if people enjoy having it on, you know, if it can offer some kind of reprieve from the enormity of reality, then that's the best possible compliment I can get.
1: Well, I, I, I mean it sincerely, so I, I'm glad you appreciate that. Now, uh, I mentioned the tour dates that are coming up. What else is, uh, and so people can learn about that, and I'll, I'll link to stuff in the podcast description about uh, the dates that are coming up in January, February, and March, which are taking Junior Boys uh, a little bit in Canada and throughout the United States as well. Um, so w- we've got that on the brain here. Uh, anything else going on in your world or Junior Boys' world that we should know about?
0: Not really. I mean, I, I I think as for right now, those are the only tour dates we have scheduled. I know that there is talk of us in the possibly in the summer going and, and hopefully being invited to go play in Europe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, as for uh, more shows in Canada, I don't know anything about that at all hmm. as of yet. But no, I, there's nothing else th- that I can think of that way. But I would invite people to, if they like the Junior Boys record, to definitely listen to the, uh, to the Colin Fisher record, mm-hmm. the la- latest one that I, I produced because he's all over the, the record and to listen to Lana Stewart. And uh, oh, and I I released uh, an album that I uh, there was an album I produced for an artist named Man Made Hill that I that was released a couple of weeks ago that I really think was a special record and I, I hope people listen to that as well.
1: Now, who is involved in Man Made Hill?
0: Anyone it's we would name, know? His name's Randy Gagne. He's a a really singular artist, and uh, he's uh, making this record. It's uh, called Mirage Repair. It's on Orange Milk Records, which is from the United States. Oh, okay. And that was probably the most fun record I've worked on in years. Oh, just, nice. It was such a blast.
1: <laughs> all right. I will check that out myself. That sounds very interesting. Thank, thank you for the, uh, the recommendation, I suppose. Um, now, if people want to learn more about Junior Boys and follow you and all those sorts of things, be up to date, where would you like to send them on their telephones and computers?
0: Probably to our Instagram account, which I – my record label urged me to start a couple of uh, weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> junior boys music or uh our website has uh, juniorboys.fm has all of our tour dates and you can buy tickets to the concerts there okay but yeah I, i'm trying to update the instagram account with with all of the <laughs> kind of fun information and 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 with our with the videos and stuff like that i'm I'm getting hip to it, Vish. Yeah, I'm trying my best with it, too.
1: I I, yeah. I, I still have it. I'm, I'm working on it. Well, that's good. So people can follow Junior Boys. Uh, again, I'll link to various things in the podcast.
0: I've entered 2011.
1: Good job. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to 2011, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we can go out on a song from Waiting Game, Jeremy, I wonder, uh, as we're speaking, uh, the record's not going to be out for a little bit. But as people hear this, the record will be out very soon, if that makes any sense. Uh, can you select a song from Waiting Game that we can go out on and maybe tell us why you chose it?
0: Well, I think the probably the best one to go out on would be the title track, Waiting Game. It kind of sums up the mood of the record, I think, and I think we're going to do a video for that one. So I, I think we're going to release it as a sort of second single, as they say.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, so, and Waiting Game, by the way, title track at the end of the album, which is... I can't think of whether or not that's unusual, but as I look at it, I'm looking at it right now, it seems a little unusual. Usually the title track might be my kick off the record, might be in the middle. You've got it at the end, so some sort of concluding statement after we've, you know, the umbrella concept greets us first, waiting game, and then we leave with it on our minds. Is that was that intentional? Um
0: yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for validating my theory I appreciate yeah. that because I yeah. was just riffing there and I didn't even know what the hell I was saying alright yeah. well enough uh, enough out of me this is Waiting Game by Junior Boys Jeremy it's always wonderful to chat with you I thank you for returning to this show and I hope we speak again and I'll maybe see you in Edmonton and otherwise I wish you the best of luck in the future thank you so much Fish. Ah, very nice to have uh, Jeremy from Junior Boys back on this podcast, uh, this time for the 728th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on facebook.com if you'd like to. You and follow the show on Twitter, at VishCreative. Or you can follow me directly on uh, Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. I'm fairly active on both of those things in some ways, so don't miss the activity boat. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation. To sustain this podcast, that is the primary source of revenue for all of this work that I put out into the world. And you can donate any amount you want from, you know, ideally $1 to the sky's the limit, really, whatever you can afford. But $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, that uh, other people don't get to hear. You get episodes uh, earlier than they reach the general public. Uh, you get bonus content. In fact, there's some bonus content with junior books. There's a little tiny bit of overtime with Jeremy once we concluded this uh, interview and we talked about one of his current obsessions and so you can hear that only at the Patreon there, $6 or more again at that level and like I say, you can change uh, whatever your donation amount is at any point and if you are interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last Thanks again to the amazing Alberta Record Store, Blackbird Music. They have locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and you can learn more about them and order things from them at blackbird.ca. I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my uh, dear friend Jim Guthrie. He loans me some music of his that I play on the shows a little bit. You can hear him in the background right now if you're listening close. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jeremy from Junior Boys. I hope you check out Waiting Game when it comes out. If it's not out where you are, it will be soon. And uh, it's great. And thanks for subscribing to this podcast or following it or whatever it is you do and telling your friends all about it and spreading the word about uh, creative control. It really does mean a lot and it does help a lot. So thank you. I hope you're well and I talk to you soon and you talk to me soon somehow, whatever. That's it for me. Be well. Bye for now.